1: Lightning fans, you've found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of the lightninginsider.com podcast. I am Eric Erlinson from lightninginsider.com welcome you back to another nhl season a full 82 game schedule is on the docket as things tend to get back to close to normalcy here for the nhl after a disrupted season and a covid shortened season of course both won stanley cup championships by the tampa bay lightning who are two-time defending Stanley Cup champion coming into the season looking to do something that has not been done since the early 1980s when the New York Islanders were the last team to win three consecutive Stanley Cups. They actually won four, that Islanders dynasty team, something, believe it or not, the Edmonton Oilers never did. You think of the success that the Oilers had in the 80s. They won four Cups in five years, but they did not win three consecutive Stanley Cups, so the Lightning are looking to do something that hasn't been done in almost 40 years as they enter the season. Of course, opening night is Tuesday against the Pittsburgh Penguins, who, by the way, were the last team to enter into an NHL season as two-time defending Stanley Cup champion when they won Cups in 2016 and 2017. 2017. All right, a few things I want to touch on here as the season gets going. First of all, uh, head coach John Cooper has signed a three-year contract extension. He had one year left on his contract. That would be this year. So, again, a three-year contract extension for the head coach, which matches or follows, I should say, the contract extension for general manager Julian Brisebois, who earlier this summer – also signed a contract extension and uh, the, the duo that has led this team to a couple of Stanley cup titles is back for the foreseeable future uh, as well. So congratulations to head coach John Cooper, as well as GM Julian Brisebois as they embark on another season. And uh, it's been a challenging season off season for Julian Brisebois and It's uh, one of the earlier podcasts this summer, of course, was the free agency recap. But as we embark now on this season and and see what they've done, you know, their their roster was submitted into the league ahead of the season opener. And according to Puckpedia.com, it's pretty incredible the job that Julian Breezeball has done because you want to talk about maximizing your salary cap space. And we know the crunch that the team has been in the past couple of years in terms of trying to deal with the salary cap. They actually got within about $700 of being able to open up their salary cap pool. And if you were paying attention before the acquisition of Brent Seabrook, who of course is not going to play, but his $6.875 million contract allows them to utilize long-term injury relief similar to last season when Nikita Kucherov wasn't able to play and they acquired the contracts of Marion Gabryk and Anders Nilsson to open up that salary cap pool, that uh, that long-term injury pool. Uh, that's what Brent Seabrook has done. He'll he'll be on the books for three seasons, including this year, so that it allows them to go over the salary cap um, by almost 6.875 million dollars it's it's incredible to think their the roster that they submitted to the league is going to come within 700 dollars of reaching that maximized long-term injury pool which is actually last year they were even closer they were about 300 dollars um, and if you think about it, these multi-million dollar contracts to come within that margin of error, that margin, not mar, not margin of error, but that that margin of flexibility to get as close to that cap ceiling, that long-term injury relief ceiling that they are, just an incredible job by Julian Breezeblatt, Matthew Darsh, who is uh, president of Hockey Ops, uh, who's basically his right-hand man on these situations, uh, dealing with the salary cap and, and those numbers and, and, and to utilize that. So... Um, just an incredible job of salary cap management by the Lightning here once again heading into this season. So let's talk about that roster real quick. Some two rookies have made the team: Boris Kachuk and Taylor Radish. Uh They were both um, start the season with Tampa Bay. Of course, they were waiver; they were no no were no longer waiver exempt. If the team wants to send them down to Syracuse, they would have to clear waivers first. And we knew there were a couple of jobs that were open coming into training camp because of the losses. Barclay Goodrow now with the Rangers, Blake Coleman now with the Calgary Flames. And ironically enough, Blake Coleman got himself suspended for the season opener for the Flames for a boarding hit. He delivered in the preseason, so Blake Coleman now with the Calgary Flames. Of course, Yanni Gord was taken by the expansion Seattle Kraken. Uh, Looks like he's going to be somewhat close to ready to start the season, coming off the shoulder surgery a little bit ahead of a schedule, which is good because there was talk that he might miss about the first six weeks, which would have put him potentially in line to miss Seattle's visits to Amelie Arena this year, which is uh, the day after Thanksgiving on Black Friday. Uh, so good news, it sounds like Yanni Gord uh, will at least have a chance to play in that game. So, of course, he is now with the Seattle Kraken, Tyler Johnson, with the Chicago Blackhawks after the trade to acquire Brent Seabrook to get that salary cap flexibility with that contract. Seabrook, of course, will no longer be playing. But as we've seen in the past, players are acquired. Even though they're not playing, their contracts will still count. And that's where you get the long-term Injury relief, and then uh, defenseman David Savard now with the Montreal Canadiens. But the focus was on the forward group because you lost four forwards, including an entire third line. So the big question that's going to have to be answered and will be experimented with a lot in the early stages of the season is what are the line combinations going to look like? We got a little taste of things, and usually that last preseason game, tends to be a precursor for how things are going to look when you get to the start of the season. Uh, We did see basically the full allotment of players in that final preseason game at Sunrise. Uh, Taylor Radish was the rookie in the lineup. He played in the fourth-line role with Pierre-Edouard Belmar and Pat Maroon. But the interesting thing, and we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on this, at least on the early going was Stephen Stamkos was playing the left wing with Ross Colton and Corey Perry, which was a line that John Cooper put together during scrimmage, um, during camp scrimmages. Those three were together, and we saw it in some of the practices, that line was together. Now, the interesting part, in this case, was that he kept the line together only for one period in that last preseason game, and then he moved Stamkos back up to the line with Alex Kalorn and Anthony Sorelli. Of course, we know the Palat, Point, and Kucherov line will remain intact, but what do the lines look like after that? You know, does Ross Colton center Steven Stamkos and Corey Perry? Does Corey Perry play on the line with uh, Pierre Edward Belmar? And Pat Maroon, we saw that uh, during the preseason game in Orlando. You know, where does Matthew Joseph fit? He started on the line in that game, uh, that final preseason game, with Kalorn and Sorelli. And then he was the one moved down to play with uh, Colton and Perry. You know, uh, so lots of interesting line combinations to kind of keep an eye on in the early part of the season because, When you lose an entire third line, look, there's a reason that the line of Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman, and Barclay Goodrow was kind of called the identity line, right? Because they kind of set the tone for the identity of that team. They wanted to be hardworking, good forechecking, defensively responsible. And that's what that line was. And certainly it didn't hurt that they chipped in some offense as well. But that line is gone, you can't rely on that. And we know John Cooper, especially in the playoffs, the way, if you look at the way that that line was utilized in the postseason and the five on five minutes they played, and to a lot of an extent in the regular season as well, how they were a matchup line, they were a defensive line, uh, they were the line that they would send out late in games, that kind of situation. Well, it's gone now. So now you have to find, and you're not not looking for a new team identity. In some ways you are, but in in the most part, we kind of know what this team is going to look like. But every year, even last year, to a lot of extent, they were looking for a different fourth line identity, right? Mitchell Stevens was supposed to be the guy. Ends up getting hurt, never really gets his chance And eventually Ross Colton comes in, and boom, you found the identity of that fourth line. Pat Maroon, Matthew Joseph, uh, for a good portion of the regular season, was on that line. Um, So, you know, it it materialized that way. And that's something we're going to have to keep an eye on here, too. Is Taylor Radish going to be a good fourth line type of player? Former second round draft pick, has some size to him. If you look at the way he was used in the final preseason game, he was out there for a couple of penalty kill shifts. They put him out there during a five-on-six situation protecting a lead. So, you know, the coaching staff is looking for some identity here, a new identity to develop, and what's it going to look like. and And what that means right now, it, it necessarily doesn't mean that they're going to be that That same situation come February or March, right, just like we saw last year, Ross Colton didn't come up until what February, so you were a month into the season, and it really wasn't until probably late February that he kind of found his niche a little bit, got in a few games and then he continued to perform and play well, you know so it wasn't until about halfway through the year that Ross Colton sort of put himself in that situation so what we see for the first month two months of the season might not be what we see come February you know on the trade deadline will be in March and we'll see what happens there not a ton of maneuverability for Julian Breesbaugh to deal with when it comes to putting together um, a trade deadline strategy if you will but that's one of the, the things that you have to kind of look for here in the early going. And where does Boris Kachuk fit into this? He showed in the preseason his two-way game. His fight or going after Sam Bennett for bumping into and knocking down Andre Vasilevsky during that game in preseason in Orlando, which really raised the temperature on that game. Ended up being five fights, 96 combined penalty minutes. But Bennett refused to drop the gloves with Pat Maroon. Pierre edouard Belmore had a conversation with him. But it was Boris Kuchuk who finally went out and, and I don't want to say he jumped Bennett, but he kinda of jumped him a little bit. But he he went after him, right? He was the guy that went after him and got him to answer somewhat for his antics against Andre Vasilevsky. That stood out big time. Scored a goal, a nice goal. In a preseason game in Nashville, stripped the puck high in the on the defensive in the offensive zone, and made a move around UC Soros, So NHL goaltender wasn't you know some other team's number three or number four guy. He did it against. So where does he fit into this? Because Taylor Radish, you know, you're you're going to see. I don't want to call it a rotation, but you're going to see different looks in the early stages to see what works because you need a new identity to your lines. Outside of the Point Palat Kucherov line, what's it going to look like? What's the role going to be? That's the one thing about this coaching staff, and and as they've evolved uh, over the over the years, is that they give players roles, defined roles, especially as you get closer to the postseason. But to in order to define what those roles are going to be, you have to see, okay, how can they handle this situation? You know, what can they do in this situation? So that's why you saw Radish out there in a five-on-six situation. Okay, how's he look here? We're protecting a lead. So It was a 4-2 lead at the time, and Florida pulled a goalie with about three and a half minutes to go. So he was sent out there for a couple of five-on-six situations. You know, how does he handle it? And you're going to see a lot of that. Boris Kachuk is going to be put in that situation. Uh, Whoever else they bring up from Syracuse during the season because there will be call-ups. And that's the one thing to kind of keep in mind here as we discuss the opening roster is that what the roster looks like today might not be what the roster looks like in two weeks, four weeks, whatever it is. Injuries certainly always come into play. Um, So that kind of keeps you looking for what it is you want to see don't be left out make sure you subscribe to the lightning insider on apple Podcasts, spotify and anywhere else where podcasts are found now here again is there so that's the one thing that you really need to kind of keep a, keep an eye on here in the early stages of this season is what do you do for your lines we, we know the defensive pairings are they're, they're pretty much set Right. Victor Hedman going to play with Jan Ruda. The pairing of Ryan McDonough and Eric Chernak is back. Mikhail Sergachev is going to play with Zach Bogosian. And then Cal Foot, of course, is injured, so he's going to miss the start of the season. So the, the defense is set, and, and really the defense has been set since the start of the year, at least to start. You know, They'll open with six defensemen, but that'll change uh, by the end of the, the first week of the season. You'll see seven up here, whether that's going to be Andre Schuster or Frederick Clayson. But it's the lines. What do we look for in the lines? How do they mesh? What do they look for? What's your new matchup line? That's, to me, that's the biggest question when discussing the lines. Who's going to be the one? What line combination is going to be put out there against the other team's top lines? Certainly Braden Point will get some of it, especially when they're on the road because other teams are going to want to match up against that line. So Braden Point will get some of those. But you want that line freed up offensively as much as you can. And that's where you miss Gord because you felt pretty comfortable sending either Anthony Sorelli or Yanni Gord out there in quote-unquote matchup situations. Or you felt comfortable enough that you didn't have to worry about the matchup situations. I don't know if that comfort level is there this year. Do you want to put Anthony Sorelli back into that defensive shutdown, not mentality, but but role? I mean, look, I think they need to see more offense out of Anthony Sorelli. I think he's a 20-goal guy. He was on a point-per-game pace before he got injured last year, and his offense kind of tailed off a little bit. We'll see what this year brings. But is, is that the guy you want to send out there for you know, crucial draws or you know defensive zone draws against the other team's top line? We don't know the answer to that. Can Ross Colton handle it? We certainly don't know the answer to that. So we'll look to see how the line combinations differ and vary throughout the early part of the season so that we get a feel for what that's going to look like here for Tampa Bay in their quest for a three-peat. Uh, the other thing I want to touch on here, real quick, is the division because we are back to the regular divisions. There's no more central. There's no more eight games against the Nashville Predators and Carolina Hurricanes, Chicago Blackhawks. Right, we're back to the regular divisions. So you're back in a division with Florida and Toronto and Boston and Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa. Uh, again, 82 game schedule. They'll play each but each team in their division four times. And they'll play uh, the teams in the other division uh, sometimes three times. And then they'll play the other conference two times, one home, one away. But in terms of this division, how it's going to play out this year, Florida might be the best team on paper from top to bottom. The Lightning lost their depth. We just talked about that. Florida has depth. They bring in a Sam Reinhart during the offseason. And he's coming off, I think he's got 420 goal seasons he had with Buffalo. On Buffalo. So, on paper, the Panthers might be the best team. There's questions about their defensive depth, there's questions about their goaltending. But they've got a strong forward group, right? Sasha Barkov, Jonathan Huberto, Carter Verhage, Anthony DeClaire, Sam Reinhart, Sam Bennett. You know, they've got some players. This is, this is probably the most anticipated Panthers season since 1997 or 96-97 when they were coming off their Stanley Cup appearance, Stanley Cup final appearance. But can Mackenzie Wieger do what he did when Aaron Eckblad went out and continue that part of his game? You know, how is Aaron Eckblad going to look coming off the broken leg? Can guys like Marcus Nutavara, Gus Nyquist, can they be the type of players they were last year? Because they kind of came out of nowhere and really gave them some depth on the back end. Can they continue that? And then the question and goal is: Can Sergey Bobrovsky refine his form? Because let's face it, if he doesn't, that contract is a major anchor on the team. But they do have Spencer Knight, and we saw Spencer Knight in the playoffs last year. Saw Spencer Knight in the prospect camp here. They saw five periods worth of Spencer Knight in the preseason. Spencer Knight looks like he's going to be the real deal. I mean, he was a, you know, a high-end first-round draft pick. Um, so they've got, they've got questions in goal, but they've got two really good goaltenders if they can play to their capabilities. And the, and the big question with Spencer Knight is you don't want him sitting too much right you don't want him sitting around and just being Sergei Bobrovsky's backup you don't want any 20 21 year old goaltender in his situation to do that so that's a thing to kind of keep in mind but again i think florida might be the best team on paper heading into the season i think tampa bay is right there with them in terms of what we look at with the with the uh, paper on uh, with the roster on paper toronto will be there again As usual, there's question marks about the Toronto Maple Leafs, of course, coming off their collapse, another playoff collapse. Last year, blowing a 3-1 series lead to Montreal and going out in the first round. Tons of talent. John Tavares, Morgan Riley, Austin Matthews. Their goaltending, though, Freddie Anderson's now in Carolina. They bring in Peter Morazic, Jack Campbell. Don't know if that's a goaltending tandem that's going to hold up throughout an entire 82-game season, especially in that market. Uh, They'll be a playoff team. If you look at at this division, I think um, they're probably, you know, number three in the division if we're going to rank them. Then you have the Bruins, who I try and write off every year thinking, okay, this is the year. Their depth, their lack of depth scoring is going to catch up with them. Their age is going to catch up with them. And they just continue to just surprise, surprise, surprise. But here's my question with the Bruins. How's their goaltending going to play out? Because as much flack as Tuca Rask got through the years, who really for a big portion of that fan base, because he wasn't Tim Thomas, who of course Thomas led them to the 2011 Stanley Cup Championship, because he wasn't Tim Thomas, well, everything was his fault. And I love Kevin Paul DePont's Twitter feed because everything is hashtag Tuka's fault. Things go wrong with the Red Sox. Hashtag Tuka's fault. Tuka Rask isn't there this year. Rask is coming off hip surgery, which is going to keep him out till at least January or February. So he is unsigned. So they have Linus Allmark, who they signed from Buffalo, which makes you wonder, can he handle a number one job in Boston. And then they have rookie Jeremy Swayman. And, and you talk to a lot of people. They're very high on Swayman and what he can do. His potential. But neither of those guys is too garrowsk. And Boston's blue line is thin. Once, especially once you get past Charlie McAvoy. So where does Boston kind of fall into this? Buffalo, as usual, is probably going to be a train wreck. The whole Jack Eichel situation has still yet been resolved. He has the neck issue, the surgery issue, captaincy taken away, he wants to be traded, and that's still kind of hanging over the team as you enter the season. Major question marks with Buffalo. They're probably 30, 31, 32 in the league where they're going to end up at the end of the season. The Detroit Red Wings picked up Alex Nedeljkovic, from the Carolina Hurricanes, so they'll be a little bit more solidified in goal, even though Jonathan Bernier did give them some good starts. But again, the overall talent in Detroit is a big drop-off. They're improving. They're getting better. They're always competitive. They are a hard team to play against. So they're always competitive. And I think they're going to be take a step forward this year. Does that put them into the conversation for the top three or four? Probably not. I think you can say the same thing about the Ottawa Senators. Good core of young players. On the rise, of course, they have a situation hanging over their team as they enter the season as Brady Kachuk is unsigned. Apparently the stalemate is between number of years. Ottawa would like to sign him to an eight-year deal. He would like a bridge bridge contract, which is closer to the three- or four-year range. So they have not yet come to terms as we get set to open the season. So that's kind of hanging over them. Again, steps in the right direction. Competitive enough to be a playoff team? Probably not. So when you look at the division, the, the top three teams are easily Florida, Tampa Bay, and Toronto. Of course, I haven't even mentioned Montreal. Because I think Montreal, even though they were Tampa Bay's opponent in the Stanley Cup Final. Boy, is that still weird to say. But even though they were the opponent, I don't think in a regular year they make, it, make the playoffs out of this division last year. And I don't think they make the playoffs this year. Now you have Carey Price situation. He's taken a leave as he's entered the, the player's help program, player's assistant program. And look, the league is better with Carey Price in it. Carey Price is a great goaltender he's a great human being he's a great face for a franchise there in Montreal let's all hope the best for Carey Price and he comes back on the ice uh, as soon as possible hopefully he gets the help that he needs which I think he will Um, and hopefully we'll see him back in the Montreal jersey here uh, very very soon Uh, but again you look at the depth you know no Shea Weber right injured might not play again they lose Jesperi Kanyemi to Carolina in the offer sheet situation. Um, yeah, Cole Caulfield is going to be a candidate for the rookie of the year. You still have Nick Suzuki, Jeff Petrie. Again, are they, a, are they a playoff team? I don't think so, not in this division. And again, top three automatically make the division, and then the fourth team would depend on what goes on with the Metro, whether they can make a wild card or not. Um So, again, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Florida, easily the top three. You should see some sort of combination of that. I would think Tampa Bay and Florida would be in competition for one and two. Toronto probably ends up in that three position. And then we'll see after that whether it's Boston, whether it's Montreal. But, again, just because you finish fourth in this division does not necessarily mean you're going to be a playoff team because of how deep the Metro division is. And, basically, everybody's playing somewhat of a balanced schedule this year. So unlike last year where you saw the same eight teams uh, or you played each team in your division eight times, a much more balanced schedule out this year as well. All right, that's going to wrap up uh, our season preview here, the lightninginsider.com podcast. I am Eric Rowenson from lightninginsider.com. If you'd like to subscribe to the website, there are two options. You can do a monthly plan at $4.99 or a yearly plan at $40.00. Uh, if you go to the website, that's the first thing you're going to see is how to sign up, uh, and it takes you right to the plan. There's a centerized package, which is the $40 per year, or the press box package, which is $4.99 per month. All right, thanks as always for listening. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, review, share this podcast. Let everybody know it's out there, and the Quest for a three-peat gets underway. I'll be back throughout the season with various Uh, podcasts, thoughts, ideas, maybe some special guests along the way as well. So until the next time.
0: Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up all with your card.